1: Welcome to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine since 1974. Focusing on the music collecting hobby, which encompasses everything from vinyl to memorabilia, and of course, with this, music history. If you don't already subscribe, please do so by going to goldminemag.com. You can also pick up the current print edition at select Barnes & Noble and Books-A-Million newsstands, or go online to our store at shop.goldminemag.com, where you can also get audio and collecting resources and unique vinyl records, box sets, and many other music collectibles. This episode's guest will be U.S. Poet Laureate Joy Harjo who has been named the first artist-in-residence for the new Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which has its grand opening to the public on May 10th of this year. And this will be a six-year appointment for Joy, a Tulsa native. Her job will be to present educational programs and arrange live performances for the Bob Dylan Center, as well as curate exhibitions. As we all know, Bob Dylan is one of the world's most wonderful poets. And in a statement for her appointment, Joy said, unquote, when Bob Dylan stepped forward and made his path of song making, poetry and storytelling, a path that lit a generation, he opened a creative door for others to find their way to fresh, invention, and imagining. I am one of those who follows. My residency will allow this legacy to be extended to that community to encourage and share creativity. I am honored to be a part of this new venture. End quote. The Bob Dylan Center will be anchored by a permanent exhibit on the life and work of Bob Dylan of course. The Center's mission is to quote serve to educate motivate and inspire visitors to engage their own capacity as creators through exhibits public programs performances lectures and publications. The Center aims to foster a conversation about the role of creativity in our lives, end quote. The Center will hold Bob Dylan's archive collection, which is a collection of more than a 100,000 items spanning his whole career, including handwritten manuscripts, notebooks, correspondence, films, videos, photographs, artwork, memorabilia, personal documents and effects, unreleased studio and concert recordings, musical instruments, and many other things. And you could go to com to get more information about it. But now we will be back with Joy Harjo after this message to explain even more about the Bob Dylan Center without you having to go to their website. But it'll be in our own words. Okay, we'll be right back after this message. It's an honor to talk to you. And first off, becoming the first artist in residence at the new Bob Dylan Center, what are your responsibilities and how did you first connect with this idea of the center when it came about?
2: Okay. Well, let's see. How did I first connect? I think, like everyone else in the community, I knew I'd heard about the papers. There was a uh, Bob, you know, the papers being uh, bought and brought to um, Tulsa. And then I, um, you know, I, I'm in the community. The Woody Guthrie Center is right next door. Yep. And uh, I've also, you know, I'm down here in the area. I'm, um, <clears throat> I was a Tulsa artist fellow too when all of this came about. So i so of course, I knew about it, and uh then I was approached about being the artist in residence and it kind of makes sense i you know i've always um I have a um a little essay I wrote about I was asked to write one for the collection about one of his songs, and I wrote it about tangled up in blue oh. I reread it last night it's actually pretty good <laughs> if i if I say so myself. but um but you know he's been an influence, of course. I mean, he's a voice of a generation. Right. could be considered a voice of a generation. and he was, you know, his voice was there through all of our um, our personal and and political struggles. and um, you know, all of these years since the late 60s, I first heard of him. I first listened to him, and I think when I was at Indian school, and then we would learn some of his songs, and you know, and learn and sing some of his songs. But um, so I was asked to be the artist in residence. I don't know how that all came about, except I guess it makes sense because I'm here in the area. I'm um, the U.S. Poet Laureate, and I'm also a musician and, and writer.
1: also active in the uh, Tulsa Arts District. Which for people on the coast um maybe you could describe what Tulsa is like as far as a artistic community
2: yes I I will describe it from my point of view because I'm I've been on the road so much (laughs) you know then I come back but I think even as a child I remember uh, being very aware as a child of art how important our community was in the arts it Mm -hmm. seemed like arts were highlighted We actually had music in school. We got to study painting, art, and uh, music. And um, they were at the forefront, you know, foregrounded. And I saw that, you know, my experience with arts in the community were foregrounded, and especially with especially with native arts. And um, so I've seen that. And then I think the art deco. You know, the art deco, you know, it all kind of lends itself to uh, maybe what you would say a a city or community uh, aesthetics, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where high art or, you know, art is appreciated. And I've seen, I think, especially, you know, I moved back, uh, I'd been living out and about, including L.A. and Hawaii and, you know, mostly New Mexico, but... You know, when I came back, I guess I came back in two thousand November 2011, I moved back. And in that time, I have watched um, Tulsa start to fulfill its promise as a cultural arts center, not just for Oklahoma, but I think, for, or the region, but you know, I think it could be. It's on its way to even becoming a national center. I think, mm-hmm. especially with this Bob Dylan Center, that we've got the Woody right. Guthrie, the Ancestors Center next door, Woody Guthrie Center, and um, you know, what a
1: lineup! On, <laughs> musically, what's that? <laughs> That's quite a lineup.
2: Yeah, it is quite a lineup. And next door, kind of nearby, within a block, is the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame. Right. which is going through I used to practically live over there now it's gone through a change. you know it's in the middle of changes and I feel a little lost without it but um, yeah my uh, my uh, neon saxophones is lit up in the window of the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame oh cool yeah yeah so yeah so um, so when they I was approached about being the Oklahoma you know the first artist in residence I thought cool and i said well what you know what do i do well two or three events or you know just kind of be there as an advisor and you know it's just what you know whatever i want to make it so
1: curator right
2: yeah like i'm kind of doing curate this first part kind of curating yeah curating some looking at items for the for the books for the store and for the for the library at the center Right. but I also see it as an opportunity to you know curate and and bring in you know local and national
1: acts. So Ken is um, at at the um, gift center can they the visitor also buy music as well as books? Can they buy? I
2: would, I would assume so I don't really right. know
1: <laughs> right
2: but well, I would assume so right. I think what's my understanding that's what's going to be uh, emphasized is creativity.
1: And let's talk about the permanent exhibit a little bit. What are some of the highlights to you?
2: I've seen, uh, I, I, I've, I got to see a touch of it, you know, during a, a, a presentation for a VIP presentation. And what was kind of exciting for me to see is some, you know, old video footage of him. Yes, you know, and especially really young and coming up. And that was, I think, I think that's pretty exciting. And and because we're watching as we watch these videos and watch this creative life, it's really, you know, you also see the creative life of a generation.
1: Right. And it claims that there are going to be unreleased studio and concert recordings as well. Right.
2: Yes, I that's what I I think I saw part of uh, one of those concerts that that was
1: going to be released. And it was amazing. So you can actually view some of those, um, I guess, during the era. Is is it going to be linear like that, like uh, by era as you go through the museum? I don't
2: know. I would guess. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't. I haven't really sat down and just gone. I need to do that before the opening <laughs> I have because I haven't sat down and really gone through it. There was a just recently, there was just a change in who I speak to, you know, who's over me and um, I need to sit down and do that. I've just been, you know, people don't want to do virtual anymore. So I've been on the road. Yeah. And, that's
1: that. Um, I think that'll be one of the f- first things people wanting to hear some of those unreleased recordings and you know it being connected to photographs or or memorabilia uh, will be perfect uh, for any exhibit you'll probably be adding all the time to the collection is most of the memorabilia does it come from donations or does the museum uh, bid at auction for stuff. How does that work? But I
2: know that the the collection, the archive was bought, I think by the Kaiser foundation.
1: Oh, ah, okay.
2: And that's what happened. I don't know how much they're trying to get anything else, but they bought that collection. So this center becomes a way to house the collection and also, um, to also highlight Tulsa, you know, right as a community you know as a community i've had a lot of people ask me why is it there and not minnesota <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know it it has to do with you know he's going to be next door to his mentor
0: his right. spiritual
2: you know his spiritual mentor his um his and i call him ancestors yeah you know he's talking about poetry ancestors or song ancestors so
1: That's exactly, I mean, he's probably just as proud of that Mm -hmm. next to Woody, right? His, I mean, that was his big inspiration, um, especially, well, especially in the beginning. Um, As far as how is Bob Dylan himself involved at all? Is he going to be there for the grand opening on May 10th?
2: no and i had a feeling he wouldn't he's going to be in town for a show in april i don't, I forget oh. the date i don't even know i am traveling so i don't even know if i'm going to be in town but um yes he's not really i don't think he has much to do actually with the center directly
1: well, well he must be aware of it and i'm sure he's going to visit at some point
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure at some point you know I kind of understand him because he's a presence, but he's always, he's an elusive presence. Yes. And uh, so that makes a lot of sense. I kind of feel that way myself. I, I feel a kinship there. And uh, so I, you know, I get it.
1: <laughs> and people always want to connect with that presence, whether it's been uh, like the photograph on the free wheel in Bob Dylan, people to this day go to that street and take photos posing there Wow! in new york city and um there's a record store there and i've i've talked i've spoken to the guy who owns the record store and he said it's amazing how many people every day and people ask him to hold you know take a picture (laughs) so you're right he is his presence even if it's something on an album cover right on a street Mm -hmm. people want to connect with it Yeah. So I, I could see people making the visit. Uh, this is very good for Tulsa, you know, making the visit, flying just to Tulsa for this uh, to be, you know, to experience this, you know, Bob Dylan fans or any music fan for that matter. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned there will be live performances too. Is there a separate hall or something where bands can perform?
2: There's a Tulsa Theater. That used to be a gotcha. the breaking theater that yeah. you know, was named for a, a KKK person Jeez. and they changed it to Tulsa Theater and it's just down a few blocks away. So there is, I saw that there's going to be, um, you know, I guess the Mavis, there's going to be, there's going to be some for the VIP, the grand opening, they're going to have different singers, but yep. uh, you know, for that opening, I think, I think Patty Smith is going to be part of it
1: nice Mm -hmm. that'd be awesome yeah um how about educational programs that was mentioned here and I guess you'll be able to curate or you know create some of those programs right as far as you know learning an art learning a craft perhaps
2: yes I was told there would be support for that because um but you know I, I would certainly help you know bring in people or you know facilitate something like that
1: well because i I like the message of the center that you know you want visitors to discover their own creativity Mm -hmm. i mean i very much agree with that you know i don't think creativity is this special elite thing i think we all have the capacity to be a creator right an artist everyone and um i think you know educational programs could be extremely important for for this. And, um, you know, the fact that, I mean, Bob Dylan has inspired so many, um, I could see just being, you know, learning acoustic guitar, right. Mm -hmm. Or songwriting or anything like that. And not having, to not have people be afraid to show their creativity. Cause I think people can be intimidated, right. To show off their very personal side.
2: Oh I think so I've seen it you know I've yeah. seen that but that's I you know and I always remind people you're creating as soon as you take your first breath. Right. We are in it's a creation is really an interaction really with an interaction with an interaction a very personal interaction with the world around us and we do it in different ways. Some people are very creative in getting a car started with duct tape. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know there's some people in cheating on taxes no but no everybody you look at children
1: yes you
2: know and they're bright with that creativity and then by the time they get they start to get jaded and you know they start to feel that they're not creative when you know it's you know it's ongoing i started playing saxophone when i was almost 40. and i play professionally now and run around but and i always tell people it doesn't there is no there is no age to the spirit
1: that's you know, very I to start
2: painting again and i saw that bob paints too or bob dylan i don't know him as bob yeah, yeah. mr dylan <laughs> you know that he's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> that he's uh you know he's and and that's how i started out as painting and so to see that he's got some big show i saw it somewhere coming up and i thought that's cool
1: You know? well you're right about children it seems that um creatively they're not intimidated right they just right. They just do whatever comes to them. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you get older, you're intimidated. You're worried about what others might say or critiqued. Right. So mm-hmm. your creativity is kind of chained in a way, or it's manipulated, um, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I, I think that it could be, you know, conformity kicks in or it, it'd be great if, I think the best artists are the ones that don't care what people think.
2: Yeah. And sometimes as an artist, you have to remind yourself to stay in that place.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think Dylan has done a great job of, of that. Um,
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, even when he became a born again Christian, he didn't, there were critics galore, but he just uh-huh. ignored it. <laughs>
2: what well, have- he did when he went electric, there was a big, you know, even yeah. he went out to sing, he would be booed. I saw exactly. some footage like that. People would just boo him and he would just, um, just keep going. And, you right. know, criticism, I always joke and say, well, if Bob Dylan can sing. I can sing. Cause I also sing. And, uh, and, uh, but, you know, he's had all kinds of criticism and so on, but he just, you know, he just follows follows his um, creative path.
1: And as far as you as a personal artist, when did Dylan first inspire you or come into your life? Do you remember?
2: Oh, at Indian school.
1: Oh, is that what? Okay. In the That's late... Right. I remember you saying that. Yeah,
2: right. in, in the late 60s. And,
1: and as a poet, it must be easy to really connect with Dylan's play with words. You know, take a song oh. like subterranean homesick blues. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. Yeah, that's, it's ama- It's just amazing. And I was probably one of the few poets that was thrilled when he was named Nobel Prize winner in literature. Because, right. yeah, it sounded like he wasn't sure how to take it all, you know, in his response or lack of response <laughs> to the whole thing. But um, no, I thought it made a lot of sense
1: yeah i think that was him being very surprised and humble right mm-hmm. it as him being aloof but it, it was um, more the opposite i think mm-hmm. uh, he was so honored by it yeah now as a musician do you have a favorite dylan song i love tangled up in blue oh that's right you you were talking yeah. about that you know dylan's work also contained a lot of protests and activism you know i mean yeah how can any listener ignore, you know, like uh, some of the work on the Desire album or there's so many uh, references I can name many songs, but um, will that be emphasized in the, in the exhibits?
2: I'm sure, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's there, you know, his lyrics will be foregrounded somehow, at least if I, they, if not the right off, they will be, you
1: know, well, and lastly, as an artist, you um, I saw a comment where you say you try to bring light through your work. Um, a lot of that is good with art where it tries to bring light in times of darkness. And, you know, we, we're living in some strange times. I never uh, experienced the 60s, but um, this seems as, as much turmoil as the sixties. Are there any specific instances in Dylan's career where you can point that out, where he, he would shine a lot of light. It was it specifically the sixties. You think.
2: I, I would have to really, to answer that correctly, I would have to really go over, just look at that all and, and think about it. I just know that he was, you know, like blowing in the wind. I remember that one. right? And that was like the kind of signature. And we would sing that at Indian school yeah. and, you know, because we were dealing with, I'm trying to find, I was trying, I just read it. I was trying to find that piece I wrote.
1: Oh, tangled up in blue.
2: Yeah. But I wrote, I, I used it. I've got to get permission to use it in this. I have a, a new book coming out from Yale university press. That's, talks about all the you know it. it's called catching the light and there's like 50 vignettes mm. and That's here it is because I, I was going to see if it had it in there I know I'm coming up on it I may have to take it out of this book if they say no I just realized that I just copied this I did this whole piece yeah I say every age has its prophets and troubadours the singers of trouble love and the tangled story we humans make as we journey from birth to death from the earth to the stars and back. And then I talk about, oh, Dylan began in the footsteps of Woody Guthrie, then veered to stand and sing his original take on the story of our generation. By 1975, the year the album Blood on the Tracks was released, and the tune tangled up in blue caught the ears of so many there were more than enough trouble, there was more than enough trouble with conflict in Vietnam, the Khmer Rouge mass- massacres apartheid in South Africa and the aftermath of wounded de- knee when two FBI agents went down. You know, so I mean all of this is always tangled up with his music, you know. Yes. You know, uh, anime pick to a quash the American Indian movement warrior was found dead shot in the head in a ditch gone for months. And then I talk about the song. It says, the way I speak or spoke about Dylan or any artist of his age is different now than it was when I was 16 years old and my ears were young. In my mem- in one memory, I'm at Indian school in a Navy, I'm skipping through. Yeah. I'm at Indian school in a Navy peacoat, my long dark hair hiding my face. I have a pen in my hand, copying out, blowing in the wind, longhand on one of those spiral bound tablets with green line paper. Huh. You know, it will be years before I find my voice. I will find it in the soundscape of my generation.
1: That is good.
2: Yeah. No, it got it is I was I to to go through the copy editor's notes. I read it aloud and I read it to my assistant. She's a very good editor. So and so uh, yeah, and I thought this came out pretty good. It would be years before I find my voice. I will find it in the soundscape of my generation. We listened to the changing times on the radio, carried transistor radios, and listened under the blankets at night to the voices of history and to the singers of love and heartbreak. We played music, danced under light shows, stars to living music, whose resonant sound patterns still cling to the trees, to memory as we tangled up in blue. We were bent by history defined by it even destroyed by it by like but like others of my generation beset by violence and tragedy we were inspired by dylan and other singers and players who lifted our spirits who inspired us to pay attention and keep going through the story through the story that we are make all make that we are making all of us yeah dylan reminded us in his poem songs that every one of us has a story tangled up in blue could essentially be a holographic poem song. Each verse a fractal of an immense story, a mirror, a memory we left
1: behind in a diner booth, et cetera. yeah, music lovers will love that, yeah, read that. <laughs> well, as you know, we're a music magazine, and uh, a lot of our audience, you know, we write about classic artists, so there are a lot of Dylan fans, so they'll love, love to hear this podcast. And I'm glad I'm bringing attention to this museum and for people to visit Tulsa because you made them aware of how, you know, I hate the word artsy, but the, <laughs> the movement there, the artistic movement there in, in Tulsa. And I wish you all the luck with the grand opening. And I really hope Bob himself gets to visit and experience it.
2: Yeah, uh, I do too. I think he would be pleased with it
1: even if it's a private tour and he he doesn't go uh while it's really open you could shut it down for him and he can uh absorb it that way. well thank you joy for your time
2: okay thank you
1: thanks now have a good day you too okay thank you joy harjo she is the us poet laureate and also the artist-in-residence for the new Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Don't forget, it's public opening on May 10th of this year. Now, I don't know if the gift shop will have Bob Dylan's back catalog of albums, but if you go to shop.goldminemag.com, we have plenty of them on vinyl, so check that out. In the meantime, go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content not found in the print magazine in the print magazine you could go to newsstands of select barnes and noble and books a million bookstores and again you can get it on our website if you go to shop.goldmymag.com if you miss it you can get some back issues all right this is editor pat prince signing off Don't forget to at least visit BobDillonCenter.com. Maybe you can plan a trip out there, especially if you're a Bob Dylan, a lifelong Bob Dylan fan. I think it's a must. Thanks a lot. See you next time on the Goldmine Podcast.